0: On this episode of the Loud Outs Podcast, Spilly and I wrap up a jam-packed weekend in Major League Baseball. Max Scherzer suspended 10 days. The Pittsburgh Pirates are a first-place team. Why does Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hate New York? That and so much more on the Loud Outs Podcast. And it starts right now. Hi, welcome to the Loud Outs Podcast, man. Another jam-packed show that we have for you guys today. And so we are going to get uh, right to it today. Spilly, uh, good to see you as always, my friend. I want to tell you, I had a quick story you asked me before we started. Hey, what time did you get in last night? I flew home from Dallas. (laughs) And as I'm sitting on the plane, uh, I see Mike Cameron on the plane. And Cam walks by me and he goes, Oh, I got a story for you too. Okay. He goes, dude, is this, is this the uh, airplane with all the former baseball players that live in, in Atlanta right now? John Smoltz was on our plane. John Lester was on our plane. I saw, um, I thought I saw Brian McCann in the airport as well. A lot of those guys, we did this on the regular show on Loudouts outside on MLB network radio. We're playing in that big uh, golf tournament in Dallas at Las Colinas. Uh, Mike Cameron's doing some really cool work as a roving kind of instructor for the Seattle Mariners. So he was visiting their double-A team while they are playing the Rangers in Frisco. Uh, but it was good. We got in a really long conversation. But maybe my favorite part of all of it is when I saw Smoltzy sitting in first class, and then he was a little bit concerned because his wife was, like, returning the and It was taking a while. And she boarded and got on behind him and sat in coach. And so I texted him. I was like, dude, you're lucky there is no such thing as kangaroo court for retired play. Because oh, you would get it banged. It's like, "Listen, man, I got a bad back. She knows I just had surgery. It was it was pretty funny." But anyway, a jam packed uh, flight yesterday uh, for me coming back from Dallas the former big leaguers.
1: That is so funny. So I I on Friday Thursday night I was flying out for my Apple game, mm-hmm. and uh, my flight was supposed to be at six forty. Got pushed till eight, and then there was traffic and weather from Texas, and uh, they had to r- redirect my flight. And the pilots on this on this Delta flight ended up having they were going to time out in Mm. air so they had to cancel the flight what yeah so i'm sitting i'm I'm sitting on the tarmac cancel the flight find another flight because i have to get out yeah so i i find a a united flight i get a seat um i'm like the last one because i i was sitting in in like a john smoltz seat Mm -hmm. and uh, i would kind of heard people talking about it. i was like hey this flight's gonna get canceled the the um, pilots are gonna time out so i was like oh great so i end up booking a flight for later on uh at midnight that night i don't sleep on planes i've told you this i yeah. i really struggle sleeping on planes and i wear this whoop band so if mm-hmm. whoop is listening i have never reached one percent recovery in my life never yeah. like, <laughs> like that takes. Basically, a Las Vegas bachelor party. Uh I I had 30 minutes of sleep uh, that entire, and I had a 1% recovery. So the worst recovery I've ever had. Nice. Uh, in my life on this thing happened last week. So, but now I'm fully recovered. You this sound like you're
0: fully recovered and you're yeah. ready. You got your green juice. Uh, I got my cold brew with a double shot of espresso uh, that I made at home this morning uh, and we're ready to go. And Spilly, we're going to do something that we may not do all year long. I hope we get to do it again, but I'm not sure if it's going to happen. And that's going to be us starting with the Pittsburgh Pirates, the first place. Pittsburgh Pirates. It is time to give them some love. We love seeing this because we get to talk to Derek Shelton every week on the radio show, uh, loud outs on MLB Network Radio 3 to 6 Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. By the way, you and I are only doing one show this week. That's on Thursday. And that's why we do the podcast so we can get a little bit more uh, work in together. But this is great. They're on a seven game winning streak. It's Monday afternoon right now. They're eight and two over their last 10. Their starting pitching uh, is delivering. Everything seems to be going right. Uh, you start looking at some of these numbers over the last 10, this eight and two record that they have one of the guys I wanted to ask you about well first of all keep Brian Hayes is getting it started we talked about him uh last week on the radio show uh, he's starting to swing a really good bat tell me about Connor Joe I know you know Connor <laughs> Joe from your days in Colorado OPS is over a thousand over the last 10 games I know that's not who he is as a player but it's is who he is it was a player right now it's pretty amazing to see
1: okay so a couple things on Connor Joe I I used to say on Rocky's broadcast Connor Joe's the greatest Rocky of all time the greatest Rocky ever. And people used to get so upset about it. They're like, Oh, Spilly, Have you ever heard of Larry Walker or Todd Helton? I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> you don't understand. Connor Joe is, was a former first rounder from, from the pirates. And as a quick, cause you did bring up Brian Hayes. I heard this story years ago. Neil Huntington was looking for hitters with Connor Joe's profile, which is he swings at strikes within the strike zone and doesn't chase the pitches outside the strike zone. So, mm-hmm the original Cabrian hayes the the mold was actually connor joe and you know played at usd played with chris bryant they're really good friends um so anyways as he's going through his his baseball journey he ends up getting diagnosed with uh, testicular cancer and so he battles and grinds through this thing and if you if you've ever listened to connor you know, his family comes from San Diego. They're they're multi-generational Asian-Americans. They've had restaurants in San Diego. And with the pandemic and everything that was going on, I mean, Connor became a really nice voice for both the cancer community mm. and for Asian-Americans. And so, like, beyond, like, his baseball skill set, if you've ever spent time with this guy, you would go, holy crap, this guy's amazing. Like, he really is amazing. And so the long hair, the big buff biceps everything is a byproduct of going through cancer he says the reason why he's grown his hair out so long is to remind himself of the journey he's gone
0: through that's cool man
1: he's a beautiful human he really is
0: and And now he's raking
1: well he's always been raking cj he's had this ability since day one we saw it you know the dodgers pinpointed connor joe the giants pinpointed connor joe because he was in both organizations so These franchises that have looked at players that command the strike zone Mm. have picked on Connor Joe. And now the Pirates, they wanted him back. And so the Rockies, they should never have traded him. But they ended up trading him, traded him back to Pittsburgh. He goes to Pittsburgh, and now he's part of this group that has Andrew McCutcheon leadership skills. Connor Joe is a totally different human the first time. Now he's back uh Carlos Santana who's underrated as a veteran Latin American player and what he's been able to do uh, on base machine on base machine and then Rich Rich Hill uh, you know,
0: Dude, Rich Hill is dealing right now. Rich <laughs> Hill is 2-0 with a 1.64 over his last two starts. It's crazy. Like I thought ah, I'd just be there to kind of hang out, fill up some innings. And if the worst case, if he does well, they'll trade. Worst case, worst case they go always release him. Best case, he does well and they trade him. And right now, again, they're a first place team and he's dealing. It's been such a cool story. Same thing with Andrew McCutcheon. Andrew McCutcheon, uh, Sawinski over this 10-game run that they've been on. Seven home runs combined between these two guys. So they have that going on now. The seven straight wins have come against the Colorado Rockies and the Cincinnati Reds, so I know you got to see some of those yeah, games. You know, the Rangers were under that same uh, kind of criticism because some of the teams that they've played so far early on, they're a first-place team, but they also played the Phillies. They also played the Astros, but they've beaten up on the teams that you're supposed to beat up on. They took two out of three from uh, the Oakland A's over the weekend and, and all that good fun. And by the way, I'm wearing my City Connect uh, that Texas hat is Rangers awesome. hat, by the that way, is if a you good are, hat. Uh, watching us on video, which you also can, by the way. I'm putting all the episodes up on YouTube and Rumble if you want to watch those as well. We've had a couple of people uh, ask about that. But uh, does it matter to you at all that the schedule, I'll say it's been a little bit soft, but over these last seven, overall, ninth nope. in starting pitchers ERA, 11th in relievers ERA. You say, well, that's not like top five. It's still really good, right? They're in the top third of pitching right now in baseball, and there's no reason to believe that the start that these guys have gotten off to from that standpoint to some degree can't continue on that pitching side.
1: Uh, so I'm not buying into the the competition, I mean, you're you're 16 and seven. Do I think they're gonna uh you know go back to the mean? Sure. Yeah, I do. But who leads baseball in quality starts? Who leads it? Is it the Tampa Bay Rays? No. Is it the New York Yankees? Uh-uh. Is it the Angels? Nope. Astros? Nope. Is it uh the Braves? Nope. It's the Pittsburgh Pirates. Wow. And during this during this stretch, and Texas Rangers are actually kind of up there too. Um, during this stretch, they had nine consecutive quality starts. And and like say what you will, six innings, three runs or less, that gives every opportunity to a team to mm-hmm. win. That's right. And and beyond that, I mean, we're seeing guys like like Vince Velasquez, who's been really good with the slider. They've pinpointed how good the slider is. Goes seven innings, ten strikeouts. Uh, Johan Oviedo is really, really, really nasty. He's one of the mm. top five velocity throwers in as a starting pitcher, and he has three pitches that he can use as a plus pitch for for a wipeout. So I mean, like. Do I think Rich Hill is going to pitch like this the whole year? No. Uh, Do I think uh, Oviedo is going to pitch like this the whole year? No. Vinny Velasquez? No. But I will point out that they are pitching with intent in the strike zone with a defense that works. They have played high-quality defense, and their offensive approach is solid. They are aggressive. They're aggressive base runners. They go first to third. So they're playing high-caliber baseball, which – to me is enjoyable. Even yep. if they don't end up nine games or 10 games or 500, they're still worth the watch.
0: Yeah. They got the players in there. I think the coaching that they needed as well, right. To get them where they are right now. We certainly love talking with Derek Shelton, as we all often get to do on our channel, gets that um, contract extension again for a team. The last two years has lost more than a hundred games. The three previous seasons that he has been there, they've been a sub 400 winning percentage team. He gets yep. a contract extension, right. Awarded for what's going on here because as we heard from Ben Charrington, he just loves working uh, with Derek Shelton and his staff. And so it's good to see because when I see guys like Derek Shelton over the last couple of years, I think about guys like Brandon Hyde. I think about David Bell. I think about Mark Kotze when you inherit a team that is not expected to win. These guys are all competitors. They all want to win. They're not happy going through it. It's miserable going through it, but you grind, grind, grind every single day. You lose a ton of sleep uh, in the process, Mm -hmm. try to get the most out of your guys. And you feel like a lot of times your hands are tied. Most of the time we were talking about the bottom payroll teams, certainly the with the Pirates 75 million third lowest payroll in baseball so we love it we hope we get to talk about this some more a first place team right now in Pittsburgh a lot of great storylines coming out of uh, Pittsburgh right now and we'll see how well that pitching holds but I don't think it's going to drop off a cliff it'll slow down a little bit at some point they've been so ridiculously good Um, And that's great to see. But can they stay in there and make this a great season? We'll see. We're not even through month one yet, um, but hopefully it holds for them. Certainly, we know more than anything. Uh, Their fans deserve it, and that beautiful ballpark deserves it. I want to flip over, Spilly. Uh, So many things to get to today. The Houston Astros uh, It's starting to happen now here a little bit. Uh, Five and one since they lost that series to the Rangers last weekend, and it was against good teams. Where We talk about soft schedule, the Blue Jays, and the Braves. I mean, pretty incredible. You saw one of those games for the Apple TV game that you had. Big bats are starting to swing it. Uh, Alex Bregman. Corey Jolks is a really nice story. Uh, He's been really good here lately. Uh, Tucker's been really good. Myers has been good. The bullpen has been absurd. Over their last 20 innings, Billy, 22 punchouts, two earned runs. That's good for a .9 uh, ERA. The Astros are coming. Uh, we're always keeping an eye on them uh, with the Texas Rangers and in the American League West. It feels like uh, they're starting to heat up here a little bit and still doing it without Jose Altuve and Michael Brantley and Lance well, McCullers Jr.
1: One of the numbers I saw when we were doing our broadcast Friday night about the Astros and like, first off, Jordan Alvarez is is like unbelievable. He took it at bat Friday night against A.J. Minter, whose Minter was on a stretch where I mean, he's been pitching like one of the league's best relievers. And left on left, got a slider out over the plate, and it wasn't really out over the plate. It was it was on the edge. It's like his right on the black. Mm-hmm. And Alvarez, bam, homer, pull side. And uh, you could tell, like when you see the Astros players with a player like that, this is like having, it's like having the biggest kid on your little league team. And when he comes up to hit, you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. like good luck, at, <laughs> like pitching to this guy. He is that. He's he's like a he's a man amongst boys. He really yeah. is. And this this is the stat that popped out. So I was watching, and you know, you hear about this Astros team, and I've seen them for years now. We've covered them in the postseason. I think I've gone on five of the last six American League Championship series. I've covered them. Mm. Um the one I missed was the one in the bubble. So I've I see how they play. And CJ, they played the best when the pressure's on. And the number for the Astros was they lead baseball in batting average as a team, seventh inning and beyond. And they were hitting like 310. The next closest was like mm. 280. Wow. <laughs> so like, well, like if they have a lot of bullpen, reasons. Yeah, mattered, if they have right? a, yeah. I think it does. Right. Yeah. Doesn't it? I mean, it that's does, gets the best closer. That's exactly. The best so pitchers. for me, that's
0: why it matters. One, it's about being clutch. They're in almost every game, right? You're not going to see them get blown out very often. And the Rangers opened up one against them again over that weekend series last weekend. Uh, but it doesn't happen very often. And you're right. Then you're getting the best of the best on the back end. And while we get away from batting average, it still matters, right? To some degree, are you getting hits late in the game? So I think it's a really good Stat for them. It was just a matter of time. And again, we're not even through the month of April yet. They got off to a little bit of a slow start. I know there was some concern about Alex Bregman getting off to a slow start. Jeremy Pena, right? Still working through some of this has been some up. There's been some down for him. The thing about it, too, with Mauricio Dubon, and we talk about, you know, Jose Altuve is going to come back. Dubon's been unbelievable. He has been, He's. I mean, he's listening. He's not Jose Altuve. But my goodness, he is putting up huge numbers and playing He's some pretty good swinging the defense. bat
1: like Altuve. If you yeah. watch his swing, his swing has the same characteristics of Altuve. They told him to hit the ball, line or on the ground. Mm. When was the last time you heard a hitting coach say, hey, 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 keep it out of the air? Yeah. Line drive on the ground. When was the last time you heard that?
0: Yeah, we've gotten away from that for sure. And maybe this is now the pendulum swinging the other way or at least identifying the right players. Right. We've heard enough of those stories because there were some guys that saw what was going on, saw the trend feeling like they have to hit the ball in the air anymore if that's not your game it's not your game right mm-hmm. that, to me it was always one of the silliest things i had a conversation with a former teammate who was coaching in the leagues a couple of years ago he said he had this kid good contact hitter good strike zone recognition but didn't hit it didn't have a ton of power and all of a sudden he comes back and you know next spring season starts and he's trying to lift everything he's like dude what are you doing he's like i got to get the ball in the air he's like that's not your game dude that's not who you are be who you are line drives all over the place put the ball in play wouldn't listen batting average dropped like crazy strikeouts went up and the power wasn't there and he didn't even make it through the season and got released. These are minor league guys fighting for this, right? Thinking that they had to change. That was a couple of years ago. Um, so, the idea of recognizing your talents just in general, oh, yeah. I think, is a big part of what we talk about when you teach the game. Understand, try to figure out who you are and then go from there and make that part of you really great. And Jose Altuve is a great story in that regard, anyway. He didn't become a guy with power until later. He was a hitter first, power added later. That's that to me, that's the progression. If you're power first, it's fine if you have it. But understand, to go ever turn into a really good hitter is probably not going to happen. You're going to be a power guy with a ton of strikeouts, and hopefully you're walking to go along with it. But it's always a fascinating thing to see. But they've had guys step up. Uh, Corey Jolks is one of them. Mauricio Dubon uh, is another. Uh, they're going to get Lance McCullers Jr. back in the meantime. Hunter Brown has been making starts, and he's been good. You know, the issue with him becomes how many starts can he actually make? Right, yeah. What are you going to really let him do? And it was funny because I was t- I was talking to one of the Rangers guys. I think I mentioned this to you on radio last week. But we do this like Justin Verlander, you know, comp, right? And so the thing is, well, okay, a lot of kids that grew up in Detroit during that time certainly looked up to Justin Verlander and maybe tried to imitate his mechanics on the field, whatever it may be. What's so fascinating, one of our guys told me, was that the TrackMan data matches nearly identical? That yeah. you can't do. You can't do that. Like you can't take a kid's out. We're going to give you everything vertical, ver, uh, you know, vertical attack angle, uh, your spin rate, spin access, all of these things. You know how the curveball shapes, whatever. Uh, you that's a, that takes a lot more work if you're really trying to uh, copy that. Apparently he has. He's been really good. They're going to have a good problem pretty soon in Houston. And that's going to be too many starters.
1: <laughs> so it was funny you brought up the the pitches that track. It's a slider and knuckle curve. It's spike curveball. They they match almost identical to the the movement of, of Verlander's uh, pitch mix, except for the fastball. The fastball for Verlander it almost spins. You know, where you, you hear like yeah. that perfect spin. It has a perfect spin, so it carries through the strike zone. Hunter Brown has a, He's just like on the side of it, a uh, side of it a little bit, so he doesn't get the same pop at the top yeah. of the zone. But what's amazing about Hunter Brown, and again, this story, because I got to see it, he had one Division One offer to so Eastern Michigan as a backup catcher bullpen guy. Possibly. <laughs> possibly. And he said, no, 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 I'm just going to go to a place where I can play. Nice. Which you and I, we we've see this all the time. Like, Division One. who cares? Go to a place where you can play. If you mm-hmm. play, you'll improve. So he ended up going to Wayne State. Yeah. He went to Wayne State. And uh, Wayne State's in Detroit, but it's a Division II, and he ends up being one of the highest drafted Division II players ever. Um, and so he went to a place where he, and he could was what get fifth better. round, right?
0: I mean, he was still yeah, fifth, fifth rounder. Round. It was still hey, wild, and, that, and became the Astros' top top prospect.
1: Yeah, so I, like in the case of of Hunter Brown, you have a backup bullpen catcher that turns into an elite level <laughs> starter. That's, a great, that's a great
0: sentence. That is it's just a fantastic sentence right there. I started at a Division II school. I only had one division, one offer, didn't get drafted out of high school. My Even my freshman year at a Division II school didn't go particularly well, but was able to transfer and eventually got drafted high in the first round. I'm with you. Go where you can play. That is uh, some of the greatest advice I think we can give high school players and parents that freak out. I'm sure everybody wants to play at a Power 5. I actually was having the same conversation with Mike Cameron yesterday. Uh, he's got a son that's playing basketball right now, uh, JUCO and transferring to a four-year school, and kind of having that, even in basketball, that same conversation. Go where you can play, unless you're just there for the experience and don't care about trying to get to a next level or, or want to be on the floor. Like, if you want to go sit on the bench and do it at an SEC school, if you can, and you just want that experience, I guess, go for it. Uh, but you're cutting yourself short if you think you got an opportunity, uh, potentially, uh, to play at the next level or just play in general. Because playing the game uh, is a ton of fun. All right, we've got to pay off this story because we certainly have talked about it a lot. Max Scherzer gets his 10-game uh, suspension. We knew that was coming. The uh, thing that, Two things that stick out to me about this, Billy. One, uh, he said that he would not appeal because it was not a neutral arbitrator. He had thought it was going to be neutral when he found out it was John McHale, former president with the Detroit Tigers when I was there a couple of decades ago. And a guy now who's working uh, with Major League Baseball, longtime baseball executive and well-respected within the game. He didn't feel like that was going to be neutral enough. I'm kind of like, "Mm." if you want to make your case and you believe in your case, you'll make in front of anybody. I don't care what we're talking about. That's right. Any topic across the spectrum. If you believe in it, you'll stand up in front of anybody. And make your case. Now, he didn't do that. Now, it could be about, you know what? Let me take my 10 right now. I just pitched. So the first four days that I'm suspended, I wouldn't have pitched anyway. Maybe. I might give you that one. But I thought that was a little bit interesting. And then the rubbing alcohol part of this. And I did see the David Cohn example that he had on Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, I've never tried rubbing alcohol of all the years and all the things I've tried. And I felt like I've tried just about everything. Rubbing alcohol wasn't one of them. And how it actually made rosin stickier spilly. It was pretty fascinating to watch that from David Cohn. And so just a couple of, you know, red flags here along the way with Max Scherzer, who uh, was pretty much uh, willing to almost sacrifice his children to admit that he said uh, he was not doing anything. And I still want to believe him, but you're not going to appeal. And the rubbing alcohol demonstration from David Cohn was like, who? maybe rubbing alcohol actually does make rosin stickier. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think it does too. Uh, one of the, the last little part of, of Scherzer's plea was that he was doing it in front of an MLB official. Mm. You remember that one? Hey, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm doing it in front of an official. Well, I learned from the umpires that the official is simply there to monitor. He's not there to impose any, like tell you, Hey, that's too much rosin or you're not allowed to. Do... He's just there to monitor. So, so if you wanted to go and, and do a, uh, you know, trash can scandal, or you you want to take PEDs in front of this guy, <laughs> yeah, knock yourself out. He'll let you or she'll let you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they are going to report it. Mm-hmm. They are they're literally standing there. So they're not they're not there to protect you. They're not a yeah. hall monitor telling you to slow down. Mm-hmm. They're going to write you up on what you're going to do. They are That's simply funny. an observer. Yeah. So I love this part because I didn't know that. Did you know that? I No, that- I,
0: no I didn't even know there was officials down there. I guess it goes back to the cheating scandal from the beginning. That's right. And monitoring the video room and who's allowed in and who's allowed out.
1: Yeah. So I've seen that monitor. I've seen yeah. that Dodger Stadium. I've seen that guy. I know exactly what he looks you like. You call him a narc get- when you walk by? No, Narc, you can't no. because he's not, he's just, he's a, he's a monitor. He yeah. was writing everything down. Yeah. Dark would be a, a snitch. Hmm. Uh, I mean like, yeah, he's essentially a snitch. That is exactly what it is. And you know what they say about snitches. They get stitches.
0: That's right. Um, baby.
1: There's 108 stitches on a baseball. So I have not yet seen a MLB uh, <laughs> official get stitches oh. yet, but I'm sure at some point it's coming, but that's, I didn't know that. Yeah. So they are not there to uphold any sort of rule or governance. There's nothing. They are just there watching. So I do, I, if, yeah,
0: it's one of those things, man. I just I don't want to believe it was cheating. I don't, I don't want to believe it. But there's just a couple of things and in, in included what you were just talking about. Uh, my dad joke, by the way, from the weekend was, uh, you know, we looked at we found out that rosin can be a foreign substance, right? If oh you use you. too much of it. But the rosin is on the mound. So it's not a foreign substance, Billy. It's a domestic substance. It's already there. It's one of ours. All right. Uh, (laughs) Fernando Tatis Jr. is back. You and I were pretty excited about it. We felt like everybody was going to move on uh, from the PED suspension. He absolutely raked at a ridiculous level uh, when he was in AAA. Not so much since he has gotten back to the big leagues. 3 for 18 right now. And he hasn't necessarily made the lineup better. Now, completely unfair to talk about this four games into the return of Fernando Tatis Jr. However, the San Diego Padres are batting just 181 as a group since he has been back. Also probably silly to use batting average in a short sample, but Mm -hmm. it does paint some picture. With all that being said, they did go 3-1 and one against the Arizona Diamondbacks. But Fernando was back. We talked a lot about lineup construction. We wondered if he would just pick up where he was in the minor leagues. That hasn't happened just yet. Uh, early takes here on having uh, Tatis Jr. back and what it means for the San Diego Padres. Again, they did go 3-1 and one against the Diamondbacks.
1: I think it's uh, – I mean, Soto's starting to improve a little bit. Machado's starting to heat up a little bit. Uh, I mean, like – Cronenworth is starting to swing the bat so I I heard Joe Musgrove said now we can go full speed and I believe that mm-hmm. uh I, I like the idea mentally that you have the full team together and get the band back together so I I think they are going to get moving I'm not worried about the offensive numbers I think they'll improve Arizona pitch as well I mean Dre Jameson yeah. is is like he's good they faced good pitching this weekend so I'm not worried about um the batting average so much, I, I just like looking at this lineup and seeing Tatis, Soto Machado, Bogarts, Cronenworth, Carpenter, Kim, Grisham, Nola. That's a pretty good lineup right mm-hmm. there. I'm still concerned about their defense. That's still not as efficient as I think they're possible, possibly capable of doing, but yeah. they're pitching well. Um, they're pitching well, and, and have you watched Brent Honeywell at all?
0: A little bit, yeah. It's been a good story. He's been great.
1: He's been really good. He's really animated
0: injuries over the, I mean, think about, but remember with him, do you remember like for the very beginning when he was with the rays and there was that story camp, but before that, that there was a, it wasn't like a bad dust up, but it was just, it was kind of funny to to me, at least it was funny at the time, but there was some, you know, he was always been a confident guy and there was something there with Chris Archer and talking and almost acting like he was going to take Chris Archer's spot or be better than Chris Archer, who was a stud at the time for, Uh, The Rays and Archer kind of laughed it off a little bit, but you got the impression pretty quickly that this kid was comfortable in his own skin. And then some uh, he had been humbled pretty significantly with the injuries that he had. And he certainly hasn't had uh, maybe that star career that he was planning on having. But yeah, now he is in that bullpen and he is a difference maker. And despite the fact that he doesn't have very much time uh, in the big leagues and healthy, that part of him has not seemed to have gone away. Right. That little bit of an edge of believing in yourself, regardless uh, of worry. A lot of times that stuff wears off after a few years and just go about your job and and you're just trying to be a good teammate and get out. Uh, He's built a little bit differently. It looks like
1: I like it. I I mean, I've seen him come into games. He's settled down. He's come into sticky spots. He's picked up multiple innings. I mean, he is older, right? He's 28 years old Mm -hmm. because he's gone through all these different surgeries. Walter State Community College. Uh, you know, compensation pick back in 2014. I, I'm telling you, like he does, I you kind of you kind of cheer for um, a player like this. Uh, you yeah. cheer for for a guy like this. It's like the we we forgot to mention with Pittsburgh, hmm. uh, the kid oh, that's, that's right. 33 years old yeah. that's going to get a chance to play at the major league. How level. do you pronounce
0: it? Is it Magi or Magi? Maggi or Maggi? M a g g i. I,
1: I think it's. Well, I don't know. I don't Magi? know. Maggie. Maggi? Magi. Magi? Oh. I don't think it's Maggie. I don't well, know. we'll we'll learn it today when he gets to the big leagues. I mean yeah. like, we, well, that's exciting. That's really cool. That was a cool story seeing this yeah. guy uh super emotional with his teammates. That's that's amazing. 33 years most guys just hang him up. Yeah. Uh he kept going. So good for him.
0: Yeah. It's it's pretty incredible. That is a good story. He'll be 34 years old in May, by the way, and just getting to the big leagues um right now. All right. Yeah. What is going on with the New York Yankees? Trying to figure out Spilly somewhere along the way, they have to stop making dads of potential future big leaguers angry go back to the ken griffey jr documentary that we saw on mlb network a couple of years ago and there was some video it was during the i believe the 1995 maybe american league division series or the playoffs whatever it was and some fans were like oh junior sign with the yankees sign with the yankees He's like i'll never sign with the yankees He's like Sure you what he's like now if you think i'd sign with the yankees you don't know me and then junior told that story and it was pretty incredible that his dad of course so i remember as a kid uh ken griffey shooting uh, Ken Griffey senior playing for the New York Yankees. And they were sitting in the dugout one day during batting practice and a security guard came over to senior and said, Hey, the boss wants uh, the dugout cleared. He's like, well, I'm just hanging out with my son. He said, no, the boss wants all the kids, uh, you know, once want, want your son gone or whatever. And so um, senior looks over to junior and he goes, I want you to look out at third base and at third base, Craig Nettles son was taking ground balls with him and he wasn't being asked to leave the field. And so obviously he felt like there was a personal issue there. And Griffey said, I will never, ever play for this team. And you listen, those are the kind of things as a kid where you feel like someone disrespects your father, treats them the wrong way. It's pretty personal, and you're never uh, going to forget that. I don't know what the details are here necessarily with Vladdy, uh, but he made it seem like it's pretty personal right now for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And said that he would not sign with the Yankees even if he was dead. I mean, he, he really wanted to get that point across uh, as the Blue Jays had a really good series. And for the first time this year, the New York Yankees lost a series and they lost it to uh, the visiting Toronto Blue Jays. But to me, that is fascinating that it continues to happen. Now, I, I don't know the backstory here the way we know the one about Ken Griffey Jr. He seemed to be relatively mum on it, but he just kept saying it was personal. Now, maybe it was just personal with him, but you can't help but wonder was there something there with dad along the way.
1: There had to have been there had to have been something, whether it's free agency or asking him to play a different way. But the numbers that Vlad has put up there and even Kevin Gossman was saying it yesterday. He's like he says he doesn't like to play here, but he plays really well here. Uh, I believe he has 12 homers in 22 games or in 34 games. He has 12 home runs. So, um, I mean, it's it's the highest slugging percentage in Yankee Stadium history from a hitter who has had uh, 100 bats at least a hundred at bat. So he's, yeah. he goes in there and I think it, you're right. Like whatever it is personal, it's a vendetta. Uh, I don't know what it is. A vendetta. Um, <laughs> I kind of like it. And I like the fact because Toronto's good this year. I mean, yeah. the American league East is good this year. They have five teams over 500. The only other division in baseball, there's actually two that can boast three teams or more mm-hmm. with the 500 record, three teams, is uh the National League East and the National League Central, believe that or not. I mean, like those are like no other team has five, let mm-hmm. let alone no other team has three. No other division has three. So five teams over five hundred and Toronto going into New York with Vladdy, who has whatever extra baggage he's carrying with him, mm-hmm. um, to go in there and do what they did to the Yankees was really impressive. Like yeah. that's and it's super fun. I think it's fun for baseball, and if you can get this rivalry, and I, I believe this one to be a rivalry uh, mm. for the for the Yankees, because Toronto's Toronto wants them. Yeah, uh, Toronto wants them, but they have to remind themselves that hey, Tampa nineteen and three. It's
0: crazy dude, and the Orioles are in second place right now at fourteen and seven, um, and the Yankees are a little bit banged up right now, and the lineup is not nearly what. Um, They expected it to be with some of those injuries and some of the other production that's not happening, Uh, but they are both tied 13 and nine. Uh, right now, six games back of the Rays. So it's really not about just the Yankees for the Blue Jays. Uh, it is going to be about the Tampa Bay Rays for everybody in that division right now. Uh, but this is fun. This is a fun little story, especially since we don't know. Hopefully someday we will see uh, the Guerrero uh, documentary and find out exactly uh, what is going on there. 5-1 final, uh, by the way. Anthony Volpeo for four yesterday with three strikeouts. He's down to 188. Uh, have we talked about the base running? Have you seen this? The leads? Have you watched oh, the all, jumping lead? Yeah, the jump. It's, it's interesting, man. He's so fast twitch, right? And he bounces really well, but it's completely different. I and mean, we, we talked a little bit about it last week on the radio side, but this is happening more and more. It seems like we're guys are trying to get these running leads and maybe take advantage of the fact that pitchers can only throw over uh, twice. Essentially, if you throw over a third time, you got to pick a guy off. And so trying to time it right. Um, it also feels like if you do enough advanced scouting, you have a better chance of picking guys off. Because if you get a guy when his feet are in the air and you throw over, he's done. Right. It's just a matter of timing it right. So, I'm uh, curious your thoughts. You know this better than I do. I- I'm fascinated by watching it. You know, it's funny because I remember watching my son a couple of times sit there and try to get like running, you know, jumps when he was stealing. I'm like, that's not how you steal bases. And now I'm watching other people do it. I don't know if he just was kind of doing it on his own and screwing around because he's young, but it's we, we're, you'll still see straight steals, but we're seeing more moving feet and then steal.
1: Yeah. So, this is called a walking lead. Uh, this, the technique that, that the Yankees are using has been around for about 40 years. Uh, Brian okay. Roberts, dad, who was a longtime coach at, uh, North Carolina taught this to many major leaguers. I, yeah. I ran into Walt Weiss who played for, uh,
0: suffer New York, baby, the pride of suffer New York, which is <laughs> yeah. where I'm from, by the way,
1: which is, I thought you were the pride <laughs> of suffering. No, so, sorry. Walt-
0: Not when Walt Weiss is from your town.
1: Walt Weiss was saying he was like, "We've been doing this jumping lead thing since I was in in college. It was it was Bri- okay. Brian Roberts' his dad taught it, and the reason why is is if you can create momentum, uh, you can. It's it's easier to keep your body like a body uh, at rest tends to stay at rest. A body in mm-hmm. motion tends to go in motion. Whatever Albert Einstein, or somebody like that, or Dave yeah. Roberts' his dad, uh, Brian Roberts' his dad. <laughs> I just in, in the case of Volpe." As much as his offense stinks right now, they have him at the top of the lineup, which is a really tough spot if you're a young kid and you're trying to like, you know, kind of hide your your at bats. So they have him at the top because of injuries that they've suffered. But he's only made one error, and the first yep. error he made was was on Sunday. So I'm okay. And it with- led to
0: three hundred runs, unfortunately, and they lost that game five to one. But you're right, his defense has been good.
1: It's been really good. So I can live with it. I can live with the stolen bases. I really like that the Yankees have added that element. Remember when they went last year or two years ago, they 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 signed Tim LaCastro because mm-hmm. they were so station yeah. to station. They, they were like, we need somebody to help us not be station to station. We need to have somebody to steal a base. And LaCastro, I believe, to start his career was like 30 for 30, and then he finally got caught. Mm-hmm. And then he got hurt with the Yankees but for the yankees to have this this weapon which messes up the timing for pitchers and it changes the defense and if that means more fastballs to good hitters the yankees should do it so mm-hmm. the yankees i believe are top 5 in stolen bases right now which is kind of crazy yeah. uh, I'll, I'll have to double check that but yeah i think volpe's fine uh and that that running stolen base thing even aaron judge is doing it so it it works you just have to be smart with how you do it
0: yeah 23 stolen bases so far here for um, the New York Yankees. So, yeah, I'd say that's probably a big part of it and kind of getting it done. And for Anthony Volpe, uh, you know, see, he's not chasing a time, but the contact is a little bit low. Uh, the ball's on the ground a little bit more than you probably uh, want it to be striking out 31% of the time, right? That's a little bit high, but he is getting his walk. 16% walk rate um, is really good. Now, of course, they also have to get healthy, right? That's the other part of this real quick. Um, with the New York Yankees, you talk about guys um, that can move really well. Well, Harrison Bader is one of those guys. Stanton is on the I.L., right now we know Frankie Montas is probably lost Severino uh, on the IL Carlos Rodan on the IL so the fact that they're uh, tied with the Blue Jays right now for the uh, third uh, best or third worst record if you will I guess in the uh, American League East you feel like things will get a little bit better for them um, going forward so the fact that they've kept their head above water that they've only lost one series uh, up to this point is certainly encouraging. I wanted to touch on one last thing before we get out of here. I think uh, you certainly know this story better than I do, uh, but it's an amazing story, and I'm absolutely thrilled about it. Johnny Dasko, uh, who is a yeah. broadcaster, has been in the minor leagues right. for better than 30 years. Uh, I met in the spring for the first time. We just had never crossed paths before, um, and finally got to the big leagues this year. He was doing some spring training games. He's going to do some radio for the Oakland A's. He did his first-ever television game. Uh, in the big leagues on Saturday as the Oakland A's were in town visiting uh, the Rangers, this guy. And I said this on, on Twitter, I met him for the first time in spring and you're instantly, you know, drawn to this guy personality wise. You feel like you've known him forever. He is a guy's guy. It was such a great story. He was so excited. He's a big supporter of what you and I do on radio. And he said, like, Hey man, he's like, let's take a picture and, and send it to Spilly. Um, and had some really good fun with him. And uh, he's just a fantastic human being. I mean, I, Was it better than 4,000 games, I believe, in the minor leagues for him that he had called – has called – Um, it's just fantastic, Billy. I love this story so much. I'm so excited for him. Uh, he is now working games in the big leagues. Kype had to leave, uh, to check out something for his son over the last two games. So he slid over and got to do TV with Dallas Braden, uh, Saturday and Sunday. And it was just absolutely, uh, amazing, man. I loved every bit of it.
1: I I mean, when you know that players and, and broadcasters have grinded their, their whole lives to do something that, you know, we sometimes will take for granted, uh, and to have the perspective of this guy, you know, like how important it is for him to broadcast and even with all the stuff that's going around with Oakland I mean there's been a lot of sadness with the Oakland A's I didn't you know we had a chance to talk with Dave Cavill uh on Thursday that was the A's president at the end of that conversation we understood why it was time for the A's to move Mm. to Las Vegas it was just it took too long for them to figure out this uh this stadium deal but hearing guys like Charles Willis, oh, yeah. uh, Dave Stewart, mm-hmm. the sadness from fans, uh, and then we you have these good stories where you know broadcaster that was in was he Sacramento for twenty five years, mm-hmm. and now he's getting a chance to to do it like that's amazing. We also had one in Colorado. We had a, a guy twenty five years in the minor leagues, and Jeff Doles, mm-hmm. he was with the the uh, with the Hartford Yard Goats, and this weekend called two games for the Rockies Saturday and Sunday. Awesome. Uh, which is awesome, right? Yeah, like, like, and, I love it. It's just, it's cool. It makes me, you know, it makes me think like, don't give up, never surrender,
0: yeah.
1: keep it going. Like, just don't give up. And, and like, maybe you just, maybe you'll get that chance. Cause I think the people, the people that, and this was something that I've said to you, like high school kids, CJ. Yeah. You know, every, everybody goes like, well, how did you make it? You must've been lucky. You know, the percent chance that you got to the big leagues is so small. And I go, mm. well, Here's, here's the problem is most teachers or people that tell you you can't do something, they're like, do you realize how many people want to do that? Yeah. And I go, yeah. But what you're discounting is the people that quit. That's right. As long as you keep going, your percent chance of getting somewhere actually increases because more people quit. <laughs> so if you Even if it takes enough, you
0: 30 years like Johnny, which is, uh, it's just awesome, man. We love the story. Um, really excited. Um, for him, it was a it was a, a really nice moment. Just think, you were 13 when he started broadcasting. You were 13 years old and now you're an old man with gray hair who wakes up with a sore back and sore knees every day. All right, we are out of time. Uh, as I mentioned, you can watch the show, uh, YouTube, and Rumble if you want to see the video. Uh, tell your friends all about it. We absolutely love doing this show with you. Spilly and I uh, will be doing one Loud Outs this week. That'll be on Thursday. Uh, together, he's got a busy week uh, on the East Coast. That'll be 3 to 6 Eastern time on MLB Network Radio. As always, thank you for listening to the Loud Outs podcast. Have a great day. Serious XM Podcasts.